Yeah, that ambient noise is going, whatever it was. And if we're picking up cicadas, that's just charming, right? Yeah. All right. <laughs> well, this time of year in Chicago, it better be charming. I know, right? Yeah, because it's also <laughs> ubiquitous. Yes, it's not charming. Uh, you're going crazy. Right. Because there are a lot of them. A million years ago, at my very first job, my boss realized that I had some sort of a natural talent and for some reason, a desire to keep working in restaurants. And he took me aside and he said, Randall, you could be really good at this and you could go far if you could just learn to keep your mouth shut. If you're listening to this, you'll know I took part of that advice. Welcome back to In the Weeds. I am Ben Randall. And I'm Stephen Kedwell. And we've got Steve back this week, folks. Uh, so the little mini episodes, I'm going to keep doing those because those are a crap load of fun and I can knock them out. Uh, it turns out it's way easier to edit a 20-minute episode than it is to edit an hour 40. <laughs> Who knew? Um, tonight we're going to do something very special, but first we need to talk about an article that I read. I should probably attribute the article as well. But it's it's something that if you're in the service industry to a certain degree... You've always kind of wanted to do this. This article comes to us from, wait for it, WTVR.com, which is a local CBS affiliate down in Texas. Headline, Texas waiter opens fire during fight with customers at Steakhouse. Ah, uh, yes, you're saying, I have been a server as well, and I have often wanted to shoot my customers. What basically happened, and I made Steve read the article too because we both got a certain amount yes. of... Uh... By fight, they do not mean verbal altercation. Oh no. So, server brings food. Customer believes the food is wrong. Customer decides to berate the server. Server, it actually doesn't say in the article what the server's response was, but the next thing that happened was the customer stands up and puts the server in a headlock. Because <laughs> that's always an appropriate response. Right, but then what would the server's appropriate response be? Uh, shooting? Take out a gun and shoot three... <laughs> Warning shots into the ceiling of the restaurant. Chaos ensued. Now, what are you saying? What are you saying here? You're saying, well, it's Texas. This probably happens every day. How did this make the news? Well, the restaurant had to close for a while. I'm assuming to fix the ceiling and possibly the roof. <laughs> and the server is uh, facing reckless handgun charges or something some, yeah. yeah which you don't just being an idiot that charges would exist in texas reckless handgun charges you would think not but i really when they secede they can make up all their own laws it's probably just a really oppressive federal law you know taking away their god-given rights to shoot holes in ceilings right yeah one part of this makes me just want to say well hashtag because texas because fuck those guys because i lived in texas for a while and i hated every second of it kind of my own fault but that's that's i'm gonna stand by that work part of me is like you know what i've had customers very recently <laughs> that i wouldn't have fired warning shots at so i feel like the server's being fairly polite yeah yeah um sip you need to find this person and interview them for your podcast I already sent them the article. Good. And I'm hoping because one of the, uh, this is the SIP podcast that, that we're uh, pretty big fans of. One of their hosts is from Texas. So I'm hoping this is like Grant's brother. <laughs> Although, if, if that's the case, then I'm hoping that he doesn't go to jail. It didn't sound like jail time was, well, I mean, I, I imagine the charge could bring jail time. Potentially, potentially. Although, if they try to take the gun away from the guy, because this is Texas, 
he'll probably then have to go to jail for murder charges because you know in Texas somebody tries to take your gun you kill their whole family see and you can you can use this story on either side of the gun control argument right it works either way no yeah absolutely we shouldn't have guns because look and we should have guns because look somebody puts somebody puts your ass in a headlock you better be able to shoot your way out of it right Right. who brings a headlock to a gunfight and the only one wounded was the ceiling so really what harm was done Although once Trump's wall is built, who are you going to get to fix that ceiling? Yeah, well, or, I mean, the restaurant's going to have to close anyway. <laughs> there's going to be a lot of jobs that go undone. Yeah, yeah, it's true. It's true. So that's our news for the week. We yeah. don't really have a news segment. But <laughs> I read that today and I was just like, holy shit, I have to talk about this. I can't leave this one alone. What episode is this? I don't know. Our pledge 66? to Every 66th episode will have a news story <laughs> uh, to share. If only the world were that easy, you know, <laughs> that, that that news was only happening every three years, you know? Well, uh, restaurant news, uh, is it, there's very rarely ever good restaurant I news, is there? I was just about to say that. So if there's good <laughs> restaurant news, it's like, uh, the, I wish I knew the guy's name. Maybe I'll look this up for the next episode. There's a fellow who was a professional NFL football player. And he made a crap load of money and he was like, you know what? This is ridiculous. And so he took all that money and he bought a farm and now he farms full time and like supplies organic vegetables to low income uh, neighborhoods free. Like the dude was just like, look at all this money. I'm going to make all this money into food and I'm going to help people. That's a good news story that's sort of loosely connected to restaurants. About once every 10 years. For the most part, news about restaurants is like, people are pooping fire and dying or getting shot. Yeah. Or a chef killed over on the line or, yeah. That recently happened. Yeah, Michelle Richard just died. And that dude was uh, very, very influential in like the resurgence and like the, the, the narrow specific like this is how we do refined fine dining in New York uh, for years and years. Like this is one of those fellows where... The sous chef from his restaurant would go and open two award-winning restaurants. And then the next sous chef would go and open up uh, two award-winning bakeries. You know, like this this fellow was just cranking out talent. And for good reason. Just died recently because chefs just die, you know. Although I don't think this was quite as dramatic as like when um, Omaro Kantu, oh. yeah. Yeah, yeah. But before they opened, right? Yeah. yeah. In, the, in his space. Yeah, that was, he, he was dramatic. Yeah. Which is a bummer. So that's not what we're talking about tonight. Hi. So now this is the, the downer portion of the episode has happened as well. <laughs> Meanwhile, yeah. Ham on the Bone does have indeed the best <laughs> cup of coffee in America, ladies and gentlemen. Stop by Ham on the Bone. <laughs> that's your good news, good restaurant news for the day. Any restaurant who wants to support this podcast, we will do extremely smarmy commercials just like that, just for you. Okay, other restaurant news. In my neighborhood, there's a restaurant called Burger Belly. They mm. are delightful. They make their own buns. Their meat is uh, two-thirds house ground beef, one-third house ground pork belly. It's basically a blowjob. It is an amazing restaurant, tiny-ass little space. It's fine. Kids get a little sugar cookie. It's delicious, whatever. All of their stuff is really uh, inventive, lively. It's very fun food. They have a great bottled beer selection. It's tiny. You have to know that going in. You look at Yelp and all their reviews that are bad are like, I couldn't get in and I'm a spoiled bitch. Uh, and that's not gender. Gentlemen, you can be a bitch. And a lot of you are. Mainly those of you on Yelp. They received a one-star Yelp review recently because a guy had called them asking for a donation for his fucking block party. 
and they didn't get back to him in time. And so he had to have his block party with no donation from a business. And so he gave them a one-star review on all of their Yelp pages because they have three other restaurants. What a fuckhole. So uh, Ron B., with uh, no picture in your avatar on Yelp, you cowardly fuck, die. That's all I have for you. Did, uh, Did he actually write that? As his review, and he gave them one star because of that? Burger Belly took a screenshot of it and put it up on their Facebook page. I think Yelp took it down because Yelp, while they really don't have any rules, because Yelp's a bunch of cocksuckers anyway, they, this podcast not sponsored by Yelp, <laughs> they do have some pretty particular rules about like if you're not actually reviewing the restaurant or just giving it a one star because you're a dickbag whiner, yeah. they will take those down. I looked and I couldn't find the review, but they took a screenshot of it and put it up on Facebook and... Uh, I took a screenshot of his little profile thing that said zero friends, and I put an arrow to it and made a meme that said, just saying. (laughs) (laughs) I wonder if he's going to have any luck next year at his block party. (laughs) I know, right? Like, I want to find this guy. He has 13 other reviews, but I can't can't find him because I'm pretty sure Yelp took his his, uh, review down. Because one of the things that Yelp does say is they say that you cannot pay Yelp to edit your reviews. So if, if, if we get a bad review for our... For the, the KY Deli. And we say to Yelp, hey, here's 10 bucks. Take that one down. They're going to be like, fucking you. No way. Unless, of course, you advertise with them and then they just give you a reach around all the time. Because they're hypocritical fucks. Um, but you can contest a, a review. Blatantly, if it's something yeah, like yeah. that. Like if somebody's just like, I drove by and I hated their face. Whatever. Then you can get Yelp to take reviews down. And I think that's what happened. So they also have Beef Belly then up the road? Because I just saw on the yes, outside, it said now serving Burger oh, Belly. So good, too. I yeah. went there the other day. Okay, here's a quick plug for Burger Belly, who is not paying us. They have a new restaurant called Beef Belly, which is a bummer. I love that that place exists, and it's tasty and whatever. It's a bummer because it's in the space that a buddy of mine used to have a restaurant in, oh. and then that one uh, went under and whatever. But they opened up a hand-dipped ice cream shop next to it, too, which is also yeah. awesome. I had... What they do there is Italian beef, but they do a bunch of different kinds. So I had one that was... Uh, garlic parmesan pesto cream like on it and I got their garlic parmesan fries and I smelled horrible but I felt <laughs> great and then I had a big old fucking ice cream too and then I felt terrible Yeah, but it was yeah. my own fault so uh, if you're in the northwest side of Chicago go to Burger Belly because it's great go to Beef Belly because you can actually find a seat <laughs> and now Beef Belly has Burger Belly burgers so yeah. best of both worlds win win and there's ice cream yeah in fact, uh, hashtag win win and there's ice cream. I'm gonna just start using that all the time. <laughs> Copyright Ben Randall, 2016. <laughs> right. So, what are we talking about? Today? Oh yeah, uh, we got a list of restaurants here. <sighs> I've been meaning to do this for a while because I'm pretty self-aggrandizing and I think I'm pretty cool. But if you're new to the show, you've picked a very odd episode to start with. <laughs> but I do the same thing whenever I look up a new podcast i'll i'll always listen to their first episode because usually it's hilariously bad and then i'll listen to a a relatively newer (laughs) one so if this is your first episode i've i quit drinking almost exactly three years ago it's like three years ago and a week and a half ago we didn't do an episode on that date because i was out of town i actually did the episode with josh on that date but i didn't bring it up because i didn't want to muddy the message you know so i owe an apology to a lot of different people from the like 20 years that I did drink but there's we don't have that kind of time like the we don't have that kind of memory on my computer for me to do all those apologies <laughs> so what we're going to do instead is we're just going to buzz through the we're going to hit we're going to do the hits I gave Steve a list a chronological list of the restaurants that I'd worked at more or less full time 
I didn't include, you know, some of the part-time gigs and stuff like that because, we're again, we're just going to play the hits. So Steve's going to ask me about the place. I'm going to give you guys a quick review of what the place was and then pick one person to apologize to who's never going to hear it uh, because, really, if I owe you an apology, guaranteed you're not listening to my podcast. <laughs> unless, unless it's uh, for subversive reasons. Or if you don't know that I did something horrible to you <laughs> <laughs> in which case this should be illuminating <laughs> exactly yay confessional uh you want to do these in order then or yeah all right as well so uh giovanni's giovanni's this was my first ever job of any sort and i was 14 biking to work and the first time i ever drank was there and it was peter vela cooking chablis in the fucking box warm mixed with uh strained out Pineapple juice mm-hmm. from the Peter pizza Bella, topping if line. If you'd like to sponsor this podcast, <laughs> getting fourteen-year-olds drunk <laughs> since nineteen sixty-three. I have no idea how long Peter Vella wine's been around. In fact, that particular box might have been from nineteen sixty-three. <laughs> I mean, if you're eating it up, it doesn't really matter the year, right? Yeah. Who do I want to apologize from this restaurant? See, the thing is, is that I didn't know anything. So anything that I did that I really owe an apology to somebody about was an accident. <laughs> um. I probably should have thought about these ahead of time. Well, this can be general. General apologies to anyone the, that you may have offended in your ignorance. I mean, the people who owned the joint were terrible, and I've said that on many occasions, but I stand by that work. <laughs> Pat and John were terrible people, but they were great restaurant people, but they were just like terrible human beings, which you can be both of those things at the same time. I worked with some girl, and I don't remember her name, and there was an older guy who worked there. And by older guy, I mean like he was 19. I don't remember his name. Um, then there were the owners, their shitty, shitty little five-year-old son who would just run around the restaurant. I'm assuming he grew up into a shitty adult, but I don't know that for sure. By now, he's 30, so who knows, right? Um, I guess I should probably apologize to my buddy Andy. I got him a job there as a dishwasher, and that was probably just a terrible idea. Andy, <laughs> I think, like, we're this was the second summer that I worked there, so I'm 15 at this point. And I knew Andy was looking for a job, and we'd been hanging out in the summers, and we were friends from school and whatever. And I was like, I work at this shitbag hole over here if you want a job, too. And got him a job as dishwasher there. And the expectation there was dishwasher, prep guy, general cleaning, you know, taking the garbage out, all that kind of stuff. And for some reason, I think it was because even at that point, like, a fair amount of talent and interest that I had kind of showed through and Andy was just like I'm fucking punching a clock you people are obviously like he had a better view of it like you people are nasty and I'm just gonna work for you for a while whatever at one point the owner because he would just berate Andy just yell at him kind of all the time he didn't baby me but he did like treated me with a little bit more professional respect like a little bit I guess and uh, would just scream at Andy like he turned all of his rage on Andy which I guess is my fault just because I brought Andy into that environment and the story that andy tells i haven't talked to this guy in years by the way is that at one point john told him that the next time he screwed anything up he was going to take andy out behind the dumpster and shoot him in the head none of us really knew if john had a gun but of all the people we did know john probably shouldn't have had a gun like if anybody was supposed to not have a gun it would have been that guy so i guess i feel bad about that no no three warning shots in the ceiling from him no no that restaurant was fucking terrible that's a lie. We did a lot of good work there, but that the building was bad. The staff was just stealing left and right. For uh, for John, it, that just may have been the role of the dishwasher was the uh, scapegoat. Yeah, yeah. 
So not not Andrew per se. Right. I feel like Andy and I had a lot of fun there, but I feel like also he, yeah, he just got shit on for everybody. Like he took everything for us, which you don't get paid enough for that no matter what. Yeah, yeah. All right. And and I would say that uh, Peter Vela owes you an apology. <laughs> so we'll wait for that. I got it was one road. I lived on the I lived on a road that intersected with the road that this restaurant was on. And I left the restaurant, and it's like you can see the intersection from the restaurant. It was like sixteenth of a mile, and I got lost biking home one night because I was all hopped up on Peter Vela and pineapple juice. <laughs> Fucking strange. Uh, moving on to uh, Antipastas. All right. So Antipastas was a restaurant that was like, I know Italian food now. I'm 15. I know Italian food now. So the next thing I'm going to do is go to like the bigger, fancier Italian place. And that's fine. And the work we did there was great. And uh, I had a lot of fun the first time I worked there. Then I went to college. Then, so this isn't about the first time I worked there. Everybody, that was great. The second time I worked there is when I came back home from college in between... Um, so this is what it was. I left college and I moved back home for like two or three months. And I needed a job then because the next job that I had, which was going to be at the club, was not starting right away. I hired back in because I told him, hey, I know how to do this and this and that. And everybody knows you don't want to hire somebody for just a short amount of time. Especially knowing that I was going to be leaving them at the very beginning of the summer. Which is when in TC, things get busy. So I come back and let's say... Uh, March, end of March, right, beginning of April, and I'm only gonna be there till like uh, end of May, probably. I don't tell them that, and so I go to this place where I had worked before, and there were still some staff there that I knew, and the chef I still knew him, and I started back. This guy's name was Kip. Started back up there, and then like three weeks in told him that i needed to quit and i lied to him and told him that i was starting culinary school early which is just totally a lie i told him that i got in on the spring term and that i could go to culinary school early which was totally a lie i was actually i already knew before i took that job that i was taking the job at the club and that was just a flat out dick move that has nothing to do with drinking at all i did a lot of drinking while i was there for that month <laughs> but that was that was just me being a bad employee of a restaurant and doing it on purpose yeah sorry kip <laughs> Um, Radisson Bar and Grill is what you'd written down. Do we right. want to say Radisson? <clears throat> is it still a Radisson even? I don't, know. I don't know. I also tried to remember what I called all these things in previous episodes and I couldn't remember. <laughs> so, here's what happens when you're a white guy and you're aware that you're a white guy and you do everything you can to like mitigate the damage that you do just by being a white guy when you wake up in the morning. I knew this guy named Preston. Preston <clears throat> was African American dude. And he was one of the line cooks with me. And he and the other African-American line cook and myself and then our prep guy, Ty Lee, who was some form of Asian that none of us were able to communicate with him well enough to know what form of Asian he was. That was us. It was the four of us. We were a crew. And there was a chef at the Radisson who ran kind of the fancy restaurant upstairs and ours. And he did sort of double. And the Radisson was having some trouble of some sort. I don't know. That information never filtered down to me. But they brought in a guy named Jason. Jason. Is his name Jason? Yeah. Let's just call him Jason. He 
came in and he was sort of like, he was there to clean house kind of and get our books back in order and whatever. And so he was kind of a hard ass, skinny little white dude. Think what's his face for, think Ed Norton from American History X, right? Shaved head, super, just like sweats racism and this sort of thing. I didn't stand up for Preston the way I probably should have. Nothing ever happened that was terrible in that restaurant. I mean, I wasn't there all that long, you know, it was during college, but when Preston was not around and Jason was buddying up to me as a white guy to a white guy, I should have stood up for Preston more than I did. I feel bad about that to this day. I've totally lost touch with both of them. One, you know, I Jason, I don't even remember his last name, but he sucked ass. He was a horrible human being. Preston, I don't know. I, I feel bad that that he's gone. Um, at least I'm sure he's not dead, you know. But um, it's one of these things where, like, when the sous chef of the restaurant you're just a cook and the sous chef of the restaurant is like telling racist jokes to you to, to feel you out. It puts you in a weird political place, you know? And so I was in that kind of like, ha yeah, it's great. And then I find out that like he cornered Preston in the parking garage two days earlier and offered to fight him. The fuck? I, and I, I was too young. I didn't know how to, how to handle that kind of stuff. And so, yeah, I guess I, I owe Preston an apology for that. What does, what does now you do in that circumstance? I mean, now you wouldn't be a line cook. Yeah. But if if that kind of thing were to... People don't approach me with that sort of stuff anymore. And I'm not in that situation either. But yeah. generally, I give people the real stupid stare until they get uncomfortable and walk away. And then it never happens again. You know? Uh, I, not to make this a, a podcast about, you know, political and, and social issues. But, like, that can't... That just doesn't fly anymore. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, Racist jokes were never all that funny anyway. It's just a way to establish a distance between us and the other. But there doesn't have to be an other. There really doesn't. That's not the way the world works anymore. Yeah. The only racist jokes I think I ever told were all Polish. Polish jokes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was just, and I lived in a fairly, I mean, Stanwood had a pretty decent sized Polish community. Yeah. Um, and it was never anything that registered. Um, I think I had a friend who maybe told some actual legitimate racist jokes, but they used terms that I had never heard before. Yeah, and didn't know applied to people. <laughs> right. Um, so I, I did, I didn't know how they were funny, and never repeated them because I didn't know what any of it meant. Yeah, I've always been better at one-liners than like fully delivered jokes anyway. So it's tough to have a racist one-liner <laughs> that's not like really racist. Yeah, you know? yeah. I'm better with uh, oh your hair is stupid kind of jokes. That's so racist. I know. Uh, uh, Chianti. I wasn't a Keanu long enough to piss anybody off. I hired in there. Actually, it worked out great for me. I hired in there and to replace a guy. And then that guy begged his way back in, and they were looking at me like, the fuck do we do with you? But they were part of a restaurant group, so they moved me over to... The Dirty Duck. The Dirty Duck. I should probably apologize to everybody from The Dirty Duck, because this is really when my drinking um, education began. I've said this before. We would leave The Duck on a Friday and go to a place called the Main Street pub or the main street grill there's two of them and i don't remember which one we would go to it was the one that was closest the first cut server would go there in uniform and rope us off like three big tables and order us pitchers of long islands because friday night was long island iced tea uh 10 pitchers for a dollar i don't know it was some stupid (laughs) stupid like like medically inappropriate price i would just go with everybody else and there would be pint glasses on the tables and we would just pour and then at that point i'm basically an adult Right, so I'm like 18 or 19 years old at this point, just drinking with everybody else. 
when I started, there was a guy named Alex, and he got fired pretty much immediately. Not my fault. So I don't know anything about that guy. I don't really owe him an apology at all. Um, we had a great band, and then the band broke up. You know, so it was me and Russ and Rob and Mouse and um, uh, Big Daddy G. There was another guy I called Sparky. I can't remember his name. And there was a whole bunch of sort of like blurred together faceless server chicks. Uh, there was one gal named Stacy who I was really mean to, but she kind of had it coming. And I hate to say it like that, but she was just sort of generally unpleasant, so she had it coming. And there was another one named Erin, who we called Tauntaun, and she basically had it coming too. So I'm not going to apologize to those two. However, Chef Ray, I believe I've apologized to Chef Ray before on this podcast, but I'm still going to do it now. Chef Ray was young. And I say that now as a guy who, Chef Ray was probably... 28 he was probably 10 years younger than i am now running that restaurant and i wouldn't want to run that re- well i'd run that restaurant now at that time so me now at 38 in 1998 i would have totally run that restaurant 97 i don't know it's been too long chef steve who ran the restaurant group had chef ray as a an intern from the culinary institute of america the cia and then when Chef Ray graduated, he was like, oh, here's this kid who I can totally have under my thumb. Yeah. I'm going to install him at this restaurant, and then I can just supplant him anytime I walk in, and I can still be the big shit. P.S. Nobody should ever apologize to Chef Steve for anything. Fuck that guy. I don't remember his last name, which is good. <laughs> so. It was me. It was just, it me. Was just you. It was you from the future. Yes, back, yeah. I go back. So, <laughs> Ray, best of intentions. They handed Ray a sinking ship, gave him impossible goals, gave him a crew that didn't respect him, and said, Merry Christmas! And we ran circles around Ray. We People were coming to me. I've been there, say, five months when Ray starts. Servers and new cooks are coming to me. And I'm not even senior among the staff, asking me how to do stuff. Like, looking at Ray, and then turning to me and asking me stuff. Now, what should I have done as a recently promoted line cook? I should have been like, ask the chef. Instead... I looked around Ray and answered the questions. Now, Ray let that happen. So that was partially his own fault. What a horrible spot that guy was in, too. I don't know if we just saw the worst of it or if we were seeing what was normal, but like at one point we're over at Ray's house for some huge party, right? And his girlfriend, Jen, I think her name was, drags him into the kitchen and just starts screaming at him. And we're all, like, in the next room. And these are all people who have to see him at work the next day. Yeah. And we're like, oop, don't respect that guy. I didn't respect him before. Now I really don't. And she would do that shit on purpose, like, right in front of us. Yeah. When I'm 19 years old, that was not the best way to instill confidence in the boss in me. And so we all just treated him like that. And that was 100% the wrong thing to do. So, actually, I can extend that apology from myself and Mouse and Rob and not russ because russ would never apologize for anything because russ is a dick bag so sorry chef ray but from what i understand and i've kept in loose touch with him he's doing just fine these days <laughs> good good <laughs> trial by fire uh the club the club yeah firstly i think you need to apologize to the ghost the ghost yeah so i stayed in a haunted room when i was at the club you know the club is interesting because tim stole me away from the duck to go to the club and that was great. And I don't owe Tim any apologies for anything. You know, I felt for a minute like I did. But I don't. And we did good work and whatever. Uh, 
Mainly, I should probably apologize to everybody that was not a kitchen person. Because here's how we operated at the club. Uh, I would get up at about 9 in the morning. We'd all sort of like straggle and drag ourselves into the kitchen around 10. And we'd start prepping and cooking and whatever. And we did lunch service and we did a dinner service. Uh, it was six days a week. And when we were off, we would take like a, a long lunch break in between services. So like from one thirty to 3 kind of thing. We would all go back to the staff dorms and drink and play video games. And that was fine. And then we would go to the, the dinner shift with a, a decent buzz on, drink a little bit during the shift, and then go back to the dorms at night because there was just nothing to do on this island. And it took 45 minutes to drive all the way around this fucking Horseshoe Island to get off of the island. You could drive about halfway around and get to uh, like a boat gas station where they <laughs> sold like Mike's hard lemonade and chips and uh, we just got liquored up all day not all day every night basically and just did some of the dumbest shit like we ended up getting the one of the uh, golf carts in the bay I would say once a week you know so I should probably apologize to the dock master who had to fish that fucking thing out every week <laughs> uh, we had a kid named Forrest who uh, worked for us he was a dishwasher and he started dating one of the servers I forget her name and then she got a UTI, and so we started leaving cranberry juice all over the place around the two of them, which was just fucking mean, you know. So I should probably apologize to them, but I don't even know her name, so whatever. <laughs> uh, this is the place where I took a bunch of shrooms and decided I could fly, and I jumped off of a balcony and landed in the beach volleyball court. So I should probably apologize to Bobby, who was a police officer who worked there part-time. Uh, he's the one who had to go out and check me to make sure I wasn't dead. <laughs> so, sorry for that. Uh, that might just about do it. I didn't really do a whole lot of damage. Like, I was already seeing my wife at that point, so I didn't sleep with anybody. We didn't kill anybody, you know? There was a there was a moment where we were all jumping off of a bridge into this uh, inlet. It wasn't really a river. There was just like a little, like a half bay, and there was this inlet with a bridge over it, and... Uh, we were jumping into that and somebody got hurt but i'm pretty sure that wasn't my fault <laughs> you know and the water was low that year and you could actually like see washers and dryers and shit in the <laughs> inlet so it was like like i may have only jumped once or twice probably for the best yeah oh okay well i will say this there's a bunch of us who should apologize to stewie because we took him to canada for his 18th birthday or 19th birthday where you can drink legally and we went to this kind of a dive strip club and we just got obliterated and it was the worst being there was fine, I guess, from what I can remember, but the trip back was just atrocious. And, yeah, that was, like, the worst three-day hangover I think I've ever had. <laughs> All right. Uh, Fancy Houston Hotel. Fancy Houston Hotel. I probably should apologize to the sous chef of that place, guy named... I don't remember his name, which also I should apologize for. But... The thing with me at that location is that I was an intern there from my culinary school. And there were very particular rules about that and about, I mean, I was paid, whatever. And they just treated me like I was paid. But during my internship, there were very particular things that I had to get done. There were just like, there was this checklist of things. And I had to keep bothering this guy because everybody else was just like, fuck it, I'm done messing with interns. And the problem was that there was a CIA intern just ahead of me. And then he left and I started. And they were just like, great, another one of these fucking kids. And I'm like, oh, no, no, don't you associate me with that guy. And then the very next thing was, hey, I have this list that I need to do. <laughs> and so the executive chef, I didn't see that fucking guy for a month. 
He was on vacation or something. The executive, Sue, is one of the grumpiest human beings I've ever, ever encountered in my entire life. The next guy down, that uh, chef de cuisine, he was ran the uh, restaurant out of the hotel, got stuck with me, essentially. And so he's scrambling around trying to find me all these things to do. So he thinks I'm an idiot right off the bat because I've got this list, right? And what he doesn't know is that I've been cooking for eight years and I can do whatever he wants me to do, but I have this particular list that I fucking have to do in like four months, right? Yeah. They ended up hiring me. It ended up being fine. I worked there for almost a year, but like... I just had to bug this dude. And the other thing was that, like, it's the same list everybody gets. So no matter what the restaurant is, you have to do these particular things to get your internship signed off on by wherever your internship site is and to be able to graduate. And so I'd come up to him and be like, I have a month left, yo, which means, you know, I've got, like, 20 days. Yeah, I I need to do these things. And he was just – he was so busy because we had just renovated. And so – we had a fine dining restaurant and like a casual desk restaurant and they blew out the wall in between them and made it kind of a what did they call it upscale casual i guess and so all of a sudden dude had twice as many seats to fill with as much prep and as much intention as doing fine dining and then he's got this kid coming at him like hey uh i need to make a cold soup (laughs) you know like every day i'm after him about this list by the end of it by the time i ended up quitting and leaving that joint i think that dude fucking hated me i really do and it wasn't my fault i don't think he understood that's something they should have known when they're like yes we'll take interns from your culinary school school okay here's the things they need to do and they would have been like okay we'll have make sure they do those things yeah so no one should have been blindsided by any of that let's see i also did a shitload of drinking in houston but i'm not apologizing for that because i did that to survive houston because houston texas sucks ass uh the devil's armpit right uh crayol joint Sure. So, at the Creole joint, there were three sous chefs. There was Jose, who had started with the Creole joint when he was like a kid, like a child, as a dishwasher and worked his way all the way up through being a sous chef. And he was good. Like, he knew that restaurant inside and out. The dude lived and breathed that restaurant. Then there was Racist Randy, who I won't apologize to for anything, because that dude was like racist out loud. He was like, I... He was shooting bullets into the ceiling. He was like, I am all of Texas's racism... And this is how I operate. Like, I bleed uh, white, you know? So fuck that guy. Third sous chef is a guy named Chris. And I feel like Chris understood. Because I was the first one in the longest time we'd ever been hired into a station. Because usually at that joint you get hired into either prep or one of the cold service stations. Like uh, Cold Apps 1 or Salad Station. And you move your way up. They needed a grill guy. I was available because I was trying to leave the fancy hotel. And I, I gamed the system. I, I ended up at right place at the right time. You know, and all of a sudden I'm running the grill station, which is not even just like, this is where you grill all the meat. That station ran the line because I could look down and see saute one and fish, and I could look the other way and see saute two, and I coordinated the plate pickups. So if it was a table of eight, and I had three plates looking down to my right and two plates looking down to my left. That means that I still had three more plates to do. And I would coordinate getting the plates up for the table, you know, all that. And I did it. And it was fine. At one point, Jose kept on adding specials to my station throughout the week. And I'm looking around. I'm like, why the fuck do I have, like, five specials and everybody else has one? And he was like, oh, I just want to see you fall down. I'm like, that's fucked up. Why would you do something like that? And racist Randy's over there saying something. Chris got me, 
but I think he wanted me to be more. Like I think he really wanted me to step up, but I I was a little overwhelmed right off the bat, and then I feel like I just never really caught up. But at the same time, I was just drinking nonstop. And so my 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 world was be at work, do the best job that I more or less could, and then get out as fast as possible and go drink. And I think Chris wanted me to be more in the restaurant and less yeah. intention on getting out because we really did like after a while the culture in that kitchen as as I when I was there and I'm not going to say that I pushed this but it was just how it turned out like we were rushing to get out at the end of the night and cutting corners occasionally and really like not doing the best job of all time with our like breakdown and our cleaning it was what it was you know I was still pretty young at that point yeah so I probably now Chris has done very well. So it's not like I hindered his career. Dude's got three <laughs> very successful restaurants right now down in Houston is experiencing this rebirth, which I don't understand because the whole fucking state's gonna be underwater in twenty five years anyway. <laughs> and it's just a garbage part of the country anyway. Uh, but he is doing really good work down there. Uh OP. Yeah, after we left uh Houston. We're skipping around a little bit. Yeah. There's a couple of restaurants we didn't hit, which is great. Um we went and, and we moved back home and I worked at a place uh, called Windows for a couple of minutes and fuck everybody associated with that thing forever. <laughs> I'll say that out loud. I believe that guy had a new restaurant right downtown Traverse City and I think it folded, so fuck him again. But. I, I just want to say that if you're naming a restaurant, um, I, I think that Windows is a pretty terrible name. <laughs> uh, some, some evoke, you know, uh, some sort of idea of either romantic or otherwise but right. maybe even somewhat food related burger belly for example right uh good name uh windows uh, like uh you're on the other side looking at a pie that's cooling or you're stealing it from the window i don't i don't know what windows is supposed to mean by the time i worked there and i did not work there very long and i it's the first it's the only restaurant in my entire career that i worked at for like three months and said i can't like as a, an adult human being i cannot work here like, I'm never the one who says, I can't work in these conditions. That was that restaurant. It was physical. It was personal. It was professional. It was everything. That place was a perfect storm of fuck off. <laughs> and when I worked there, it operated just about as well as, uh, like, Windows 10. You know? So, it was nice. definitely a Microsoft product. Yeah. However, the next restaurant I went to, actually, I interviewed with this fella, Kyle, who I'm still friends with this, to this day, and I did not list Windows on my resume. And he was like, so what have you been doing for the last four months? And I said, uh... Would you believe me if I told you that I had been working at Windows? And he was like, oh, God, for four months? I said, I know. And I'm pretty sure that's why he hired me. (laughs) That and he and I went to the same culinary school. Um, From the Peninsula, I think that's what we called it in in the episode where we talked about this. uh, Who should I apologize to in that restaurant? I don't know. I wasn't terribly mean to any of the waitresses because they didn't matter. At this point, I was about to get married, so none of the waitresses had anything I wanted. There was a guy there named Brad who was a waiter. He was a douchebag. I'm not going to apologize to him for anything. And also has basically made it so that anybody I meet whose name is Brad is automatically a douchebag. They have to recover from that with me. Yeah. Uh, I feel like I did really good work for Kyle while I was there, so I don't owe him an apology by any means. Uh, Our pastry chef, Eric, he and I are still... Really good friends, as far as I know. Like, I see the guy twice a year, but, you know, it's always hugs all around. Um, There was a guy who we called Short White Johnson. I should probably apologize for that, but he was short, he was white, and his last name was Johnson. So, I mean, that was not really anybody's fault. (laughs) 
Maybe his parents, but that's about it. They wouldn't have known at the time that he was going to be short. A buddy of mine named Joey, who is a chef here in Chicago now, I should probably apologize to him. Because I don't really know where his life was going, but Kyle and I kind of bullied him into going to culinary school because it looked like he was really going to be good at this stuff. And he is really good at this stuff. But being a restaurant chef is such a shitty life that I should probably apologize to him <laughs> now. Like I said, he's living and working. He's been in Chicago for 10 years, hopping around, doing chefy stuff. Uh, but I probably owe him an apology for pushing him in this direction because this is such a horrible life. <laughs> <laughs> so, Joey, sorry uh, that I made you a successful chef. I can take all credit for that, but I am sorry. But isn't it sort of like the ring where like, you were pushed into it by somebody working in a restaurant? And so the only way to escape... <laughs> Whatever punishment is to come is to force someone else into the trade as well. It's and not the ring I was thinking of, but okay. <laughs> like, are you saying Joey has to throw me into the into Mount Doom? <laughs> <laughs> well, that 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 right, too. You right. you are now his precious. Until Ooh, Joey, you hear that? <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna have to tell him to listen to this. <laughs> uh, from there, wine bar. Wine bar. This is turning into a list of people I'm not apologizing to. I'm not terribly <laughs> apologetic. And my very first thought, I was I was like, oh, okay, well, there's that one waiter that fucking I hated. And there was that one front of the house manager I hated. Sushi uh, guy? No. Not, you didn't, not that you would have done anything other than eat sushi. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? That was great. That was great having a Kamahachi right inside of our space. That was cool. Okay, here, let me do this. Let me do this. So this is when I worked at the wine bar. And I don't believe I've told this story before. I only sort of owe an apology to a waiter whose name I don't even remember. But this wine bar had two locations when I started. And then they ended up having three, and then they went down to two, and then they had three again, and they went back down to two. And they've had some some ups and downs. I'd been working at the place for three months, three or four months, right? And my father had a business meeting in downtown Chicago. And he was like, where should we go for dinner? And I told him the other location that were of the, the wine bar where I was working. I was like, go check that place out. It's great. And so my dad calls me up and says, my boss agrees. Why don't you join us for dinner? And I was like, oh, fuck yeah. Boss is paying? All right, sweet. Why not go to the other location and have a free dinner on my dad's rich boss? Great. There's eight of us. And so uh, my dad's like, can you make the reservation? I said, sure. So I call up the other restaurant. I'm like, hi, this is Ben. I'm the sous chef from the other location. Uh, making a reservation for eight. It's a business thing for my dad's company, so you guys don't need to really do much for us. They're going to be impressed anyway. And the fella, and I described my dad's boss. I'm like, that's who gets the bill. Whatever. It's all, it's all company money, so whatever. We get there, and it's like round of champagne and oysters when we first arrive. It's like... Uh, an extra couple of courses in the middle, and they're they're treating me, and they're treating them, and I'm like, okay, great. Bill time comes, they fucking comp it, whole thing, no reason for it. And so at this point, there's this front of the house manager. I want to say her name was Joe, but I'm not certain. Nobody liked her. I come to find out later, nobody likes this woman in the whole company. And I'm like, okay, whatever. So I'm new, and she's like, no, Bill, and I was just like, uh, and I took her aside, and I'm like. The rich guy's paying. Don't this is there this is a business expense for them. Throw a bill down. She's like, I already did it. Okay. So I go into my pockets and I'm like, "Eh," and I gave the waiter all the cash I had. I was like, You did a great job. She comped our bill. I'm not really sure why. Here's all the cash I have. Come to find out. Because I get to work like I had that day off and the next day off. I come to work so two days later, 
And my boss at the location where I work is like, the fuck's wrong with you? And I was like, oh, no, this is about that comped bill, isn't it? He was like, yeah. And I'm like, okay. So I tell him my perspective on it. He was like, oh, okay, because Joe's telling everybody you're a terrible tipper. And I'm like, well, what the fuck was that? She wouldn't even let me see what the original bill was. I gave the server all the cash I had. I tipped the guy 4%. <laughs> so here's this dude comes up to this table, and he knows we're whining and dining him. Giving him all this stuff. It was supposed to be like an $800 bill. And I tipped the guy, what, like 60 bucks or something. I didn't know. I didn't know what the total was. So that particular server, I owe an apology to. I have no idea what his name is. Also, Joe owes him an apology. Yeah, I was going to say. Yeah. <laughs> and to this date, my dad and his boss and all these guys don't know my side of that story. They're just like, yeah, and Ben's restaurant took care of us and it was great and this and that. And in my head, I'm like... I lost years off of my life worrying about this shit, right? Because then in this company, because you never know, like I expected to stay with that company for a while, I am Ben the Bad Tipper, you know? <laughs> but by by force. Um, what uh, what possessed her? I have no idea. To, and and if, you're, if you know going in that you're going to do that, why champagne and oysters and the whole shebang? I don't know who she was trying to impress because... I didn't need to be impressed. I already worked for the company. Yeah. Uh, if it had been me and my wife and she'd comped it, brilliant. That's perfect. With business people, I... Yeah. So weird. So weird. Yeah. Wow. All right. Yeah. And so, I mean, but that was that was endemic of that company. It was a very front-of-the-house run company, and they would do things. They would just make decisions, and then later on be like, huh. They would never say that was a bad decision, but then they would, like, quietly reverse it, you know? <laughs> Uh, we need to get this $800 back somehow. Yeah, right, right. All right. Uh, restaurant A. Fuck the owners of that restaurant. Yeah, well, that's a given. Right. Uh, however, the fella who worked with me on the line, a guy named Grant, who, again, just like Joey, successful restaurant chef now. He runs the food service for uh, uh, Brew Pub brewery restaurant kind of a deal and i have not been there yet because i'm a terrible friend but i also don't drink anymore so why would i go to a brew pub you know uh he and i if 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 i owe anybody in that restaurant an apology it's that guy and it's for just being a terrible terrible uh example you know we the the owners of that joint gave me keys to the place like day one which was probably a bad idea and so grant and i they, we would close the restaurant down. Irresponsible owners would just leave. And then Grant and I would go up to the bar, like in full view of the public, sitting there in the bar with the lights on, door locked, with people just walking by, and we would just drink ourselves fucking stupid. And Grant is young at this point, and he's looking at me, sous chef, guy in charge, and we're just getting plowed. And we're talking like four nights a week, right? I don't know how much of that restaurant's booze budget was just into me and Grant, you know? And I don't, like at this point... I imagine we had these like long philosophical conversations. <laughs> I bet that was not the case. Yeah. Uh, so if there was ever like a downfall of Grant, I, I have to be part of that because, I mean, at the very least, I took years off his liver. You know, I don't think anybody ever actually got hurt, but yeah, yeah, we did we did some serious damage to our bodies just hanging out, drinking in that joint. Oh, you have some recordings of that. Oh, I know, right? I had a roommate. Uh, Last year of school in Kalamazoo, we'd get drunk um, every night and, like, riotously drunk. It was either that, like, he'd have a, <laughs> riotously, I like a that. bunch of people over, or it would just be him, and he'd come knock on my door as I'm lying in bed trying to sleep, uh -huh. and be like, Steven, you got to write this down for me. <laughs> 
and <laughs> composed poetry. Oh my um, god. To you? Like about you? No, no. It was about this uh, woman that he was in love with, but who had a boyfriend. Ah. And a kid. Um, but he was madly, madly in love with her. And, Obviously. Uh, um, but couldn't support the kid or her, so obviously she's not going to choose him. It was like, it could have been a romantic movie, except it wasn't romantic at all, and uh, it was going to end horribly. Right. Um, so, uh, yeah. Uh, and nothing... Wait, wait, wait. Is this the guy who pounded all those nails into the wall? Uh, no. no. <laughs> I like that guy. <laughs> I liked the story of that I guy. I cannot imagine him being uh, an alcoholic. That was, a room- uh, that was a roommate after you left. That was immediately, so it would have been like uh, junior year, maybe. He was emo before emo, right? So he was yeah. an emo hipster. Yes, he okay. was. He's yeah. Um, I don't know what he would be considered now. He's uh, pre millennial, post millennial, millennial. I don't know. Um, but yeah, he had a calendar um, that he deconstructed and used twelve nails <laughs> to nail the uh, um, the twelve pictures from the poster on the wall that he liked. Just using the hole that was in the poster. And then the corners began to curl. So he used two more nails for each of those to nail each of the corners of those. So each one now has three nails in the wall of this apartment that we're renting to hold these candles. So that's what? Uh, A million. 36, 36. nails um, that he's put in the wall just for those. Yeah. Um, so he has got one. If he were to trip and fall, he would have impaled himself. Yeah, yeah. Instant Hellraiser. Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, anyway. Um, fancy cooking stores next. Fancy cooking store. You know, the only person that I should... Well, okay, so there's one gal, Mary, who came to work for me as a a kitchen assistant while I was teaching cooking classes there. And again, drinking like crazy. She came to start doing classes with me and then eventually ended up taking a job with the company in my role but in a different location. Um, And I hit on her mercilessly. Which, so I should probably have an apology in there to my wife as well. But nothing came of it, obviously. Because I'm kind of a coward. So, very pretty, however, very skilled. And obviously, as a dude, I'm going to see one of those two things first. But she had a culinary background. She was very professional. She was very well put together. And what she did was not respond at all to me. But also not outwardly judge me for how just overt uh, my approach was to her. You know? And that was gross. That's I just behaved in a gross manner toward that young woman. And thing is, is that she's still like we're friends on Facebook, and I don't. What she must think of me, <laughs> you know? And so, if anything, I should apologize to her because I probably just cemented all of her feelings about men, you know. No question, no question at all. At least industry men. Yeah, for sure. There's another. There's a guy I should apologize to. His name is Will. He took one class every other week or so. And he and I became friends in his mind. He was a active neurosurgeon or something, like oh. still employed as a surgeon. No wife, no kids, you know, just a single mid-40s dude who took cooking classes and took other classes and was just all into self-improvement. And I don't know if he had any sort of romantic feelings toward me or if he was just like a dude who thought it was cool to learn stuff. But he kept on saying, oh, I'm going to have you over to my house. We'll make this food. I want to take you out to dinner and this kind of thing. And I think I treated him a little bit like he was hitting on me. Like I think I pushed him off a little bit because then after a while he stopped taking classes. I think he knew that I was uncomfortable, but I was not really able to 
I should have been able to to be more professional about it, you know. I think at one point I was just like, eh, you know, something to that effect. And even if he was, you got to take one for the team every now and again. Super rich. I probably should have, you know. <laughs> Except was, like, that, that would have been way worse, you know. Yeah, yeah. you got to sit down with your wife and be like, yeah. um, listen, he's offering me <laughs> all this money just for one night. Yeah. <laughs> I also talked behind his back a lot because the class uh assistants would be like oh that's the guy who brings his own gloves right like yeah that's the guy who brings his own gloves and i probably should have defended him and i didn't because that was kind of fucking weird but he's a surgeon of course he's got gloves at home you know like latex gloves yeah oh okay. yeah maybe he was the only person in all the time i've ever taught cooking classes who brought his own gloves to class like maybe, we had gloves maybe they were sized if he's a neurosurgeon maybe they're like I perfectly sized for his hand. <laughs> he had maybe, a molded. <laughs> yeah. Or nylon because he was allergic to latex. Yeah, or, you know, I don't know. It's got to be a reason. You know, he was hiding drugs in them that he wanted to. Was there anything else that I did? I didn't, I was not one of the people who stole from that store. That's Lisa the Thief. She stole from that store. Fuck that lady. She doesn't get apologized to. She's not listening anyway. Yeah. I don't think so. I was a great employee Unless of that she store. stole a computer that has this on it. Right. Right. I was a great, I was a great employee of that store. And I'll stand behind that. Fancy Chicago Hotel. Fancy Chicago Hotel. So I was tired of doing cooking classes and I needed to get back into uh, restaurants. And that's fine. Didn't really get back into restaurants. My buddy Jason was working at the Fancy Hotel. And he got me a job working in the Garmage Kitchen. And I was never, ever happy in that role. And I think it showed. And so I should probably apologize to everybody. However, that hotel was full of B-teamers. Because... A different fancy hotel had acquired that fancy hotel, and they were trying to pretty it up to sell it. It was kind of like a, they were flipping it, kind of. Mm-hmm. And when they found that out, because they staffed it with their own people, and then when they decided they were going to sell it, a lot of their good people transferred out, and so they were just left with B-teamers. Like, the guy who was the executive chef of that joint had been like the banquet sous chef a year earlier and so there was all this attrition and they moved all these people up it's like what happens after a big battle and all of a sudden you've got like a second (laughs) lieutenant running the battalion right like none of these people except for the people in banquets like the head of banquets was a champion and i'm sure he's doing the exact same thing today dude just had his shit locked down but i came in and they were still having all of these problems and i came in as a cook one which is the highest wage level you could be before you then went to management that was part of the union so when they moved our sous chef from garmage into the line i was left running that kitchen and there's a little tiny line in the contract in the contract the job description that says assume sous chef duties as required which really means when the sous chef has a day off you do his job right it doesn't mean you're stuck running this fucking circus uh for the rest of time right so i did that for about four months and i was like fuck this noise and i started looking for a new job so i should probably apologize to ken and sega and mike because of the five people who worked in my department those are the ones who i feel like were probably affected by the fact that i was kind of checked out toward the end there it was just like at one point i said to the uh executive sous chef guy named kevin who was just a waste absolute waste we could see him in the office because the office had windows practicing guitar (laughs) no fucking joke (laughs) i would go up to him because this place was so heavily held down by the union fuck unions by the way and i say that i've never worked in a skilled labor union just seiu local one they can just go all choke on a dick and die 
management couldn't do anything. Like, if you were a salaried manager, you were not supposed to cook because that's a union position, right? And you're taking work away from a union, crying and crying and bleeding and bitching and moaning. So I was like the head of all of these, not all of these, there were two of them, that Nancy and Maria, that were just awful. But anything over eight hours per shift got overtime. So I'd go up to Chef Kevin and I'd be like, I need to keep my staff because we're not going to get done in time today. He'd be go, he'd go, get it done. And he'd walk away. And I'm like, I'm going to take that as I can have overtime. And if you want to contest it, go for it. But unless you write it down, I actually can't. Like, I can't get in trouble for it. So whatever. Dude was absolutely worthless. Mike and Sega and Ken saw this happening to me. And I feel like they then had to sort of pick up some slack, which is a bummer. Nancy is one of the worst human beings I've ever encountered in my life. And I work in the restaurant industry. Maria was like Nancy's little buddy. Like she was going to grow up to be Nancy. So she was, you know, like third tier down, worst person. She's like worst person I've ever met in training. Uh, Mike has left that place, and I'm sure Sega and Ken are still there. Because that's the other thing about a union is there were people that have been there for like 30 years. Yeah. I don't understand that shit at all, you know? I think that was about it. I'm not apologizing to Waz. I'm not apologizing to Ronnie, who did get out. There was another guy named Ron who could just, again, choke on a dick and die. There were about 60 employees in that kitchen, so I can't remember how many of my ticked off. <laughs> <laughs> There's one guy. There's a fellow named Chris, all right, sous chef, on the line when I first started. I knew of him, but I didn't know him because I knew friends of his from Houston because the kitchen world is actually pretty small so like I had worked in Houston with a couple of people and then when they found out that I was going to the fancy hotel here in Chicago one of them was like you're gonna be working with taco and I'm like what's a taco and this guy Chris his nickname from back in the day in Houston was taco I did not realize he was trying to separate himself professionally from that part of his life right and he wanted people to, you know, be like, oh, Chef Chris, this and that. My first day, I see him and I'm like, you're Taco! And he hated me from that day on. <laughs> it's just like, all right. I don't think he hated me. But it was one of those things where he was just like, oh, it's found me here, right? Yeah. <laughs> At one point, and like I said, I'm that guy. I'm the one-liner guy. And I was constantly accidentally undermining his authority by trying to be funny and succeeding a lot of times. At one point, I forget what he said, but I'm never going to forget because he said something to me and I took a breath and I had nothing to say back. And he goes, where's your jokes, funny man? And he walked away and I was just like, oh, he got me. Fucking taco got me. So he did get his revenge, but I should probably, you know, like I shouldn't have screamed, hey, taco across the kitchen at him as he's wearing like a full on chef coat with his name embroidered on the thing. And he's like all shiny and whatever. That was not the right thing for me to do. The right thing would have been to get a chef coat that said taco, Yes. present it to him, and then start no. calling him taco. For me to wear it, pretend to be him. <laughs> yeah. Hi, I'm Chef Taco. In fact, I would love to have a chef coat that says Chef Taco. <laughs> uh, restaurant B. Fuck those guys. Who do I owe an apology to at Restaurant B? Well, I definitely led to the corruption of Henry a lot. I've told this story before, too, where, you know those big, uh, like, 32-ounce, um, what do you call them, uh, Oktoberfest cups? Okay. Monday, it was just me and Henry opening up the shop. We didn't have lunch uh, at Restaurant B. And so we'd get in. I'd get in about 1, maybe 12.30, depending on if a delivery was coming in early or not. And I would fill those two cups up with a little bit of ice 
half full of vodka and the rest of it full of our off-brand five-hour energy um, Red Bull bullshit kind of yeah. like down market whatever out of the gun. And so Henry would come in and there would I would be partially done with mine and his would be in his little region cooler. And that's how we would start Monday. So every Monday, Henry and I would just sort of drink all day. That ain't good for you. You know, and I normalized that for him. I feel like Henry came to Chicago to feel out a big city. See if that's what he wanted to do. He's from southern Michigan, real small town. And he came to Chicago to be like, is this a thing that's going to work for me? And since then, he's moved out west. That was always his plan. And Henry sort of blossomed in Chicago. You know, he found the party spots that he wanted and this sort of thing. And he found in me sort of a drinking mentor. And I should probably apologize for that, you know. Having said that, I should apologize to everybody that I gave a horrible nickname to at that place. <laughs> uh, we, there was this asshole named Adam who worked there who, on my last day, cut me off. He said I had enough to drink, so I stole a bunch of his uh, house-flavored vodka that we kept in the basement, and I was drinking that straight. And this is after he cut me off. That was a bad idea. And He's a bartender? He was like bartender slash front of the house manager because okay. the crazy ass owners kept on burning out their front of the house managers and firing them and <clears throat> being uh-huh. assholes about it. Yeah, <laughs> something that I'm finding is typical in restaurants. More so than you would think. Yeah, yeah middle managers tend to be kind of expendable in restaurants, especially if you're a monstrously uh, egomaniacal sort of like hell power couple that just want to have a. Like, you don't want it to look like you have this this ironclad rain on your restaurant. Yeah. You want to pretend to be the cool kids, but at the same time, anything goes wrong, you find somebody to blame real quick and then fire them or trick them into quitting. Uh, I made a front-of-the-house manager cry twice, which I should probably apologize for, but she and I have laughed about it since then. So, Al, sorry that I made you cry twice, but we both know that it was really uh, Judy's fault anyway. Both times, so fuck that gal. Uh, Judy being the pseudonym for the crazy owner gal. I got drunk enough that one night I asked one of the servers to go to a motel with me, and she did not say yes to that. That made her very uncomfortable. I, In my heart, I believe that I was joking, but then she reacted weirdly, and then I thought, maybe I'm not joking, and then I just left. <laughs> you know. And then I was on my way out at that point, and nobody knew that I was looking for a new job, and then I was gone in like two months anyway, so it ended up working out great for everybody, but at the same time, it was just one of those <laughs> no where it was like... No paperwork needed to be filed. Right, it was just like, that got weird in a hurry. Like, I was pretty sure, and I did it in front of a whole bunch of people, so I'm pretty sure I was joking. Like, I'm like 75% sure I was joking. I honestly don't know what I would have done if she would have said yes, because I don't know where motels are in this city. <laughs> You know, uh, what else did I do? I don't think I broke anything at that place that isn't like a part wore out on a thing, you know. We yeah, yeah. To, uh, I did run over one of my line cooks, you were there for that, yes. Yeah. I was in the car for that, yeah, but that was his fault, yeah, yeah. He, he ran a red light, <clears throat> yeah, on, on his, his on his bike, bicycle, and I hit him, sort of, almost, almost, yeah, yeah. He laid down, he just kind of laid down, yeah, yeah. he was yeah, fine. Yeah. Boy, I, I was almost out of that restaurant at that point. <laughs> I'll always remember that because he hopped back up and started running and you're like what yeah. I'm late yeah and he was too he was late by the time I almost hit him he had five minutes to get there and from where he was it was going to take him 20 easy yeah and I was off that day which was great so I texted Henry and said hey Esoy is going to be late today and he says how do you know and I said I almost just hit him with my car <laughs> and Henry didn't believe me but he was probably drunk 
thanks to you. I know, right? <laughs> uh, last but not least, CJ's that you were not drunk for at all. No, I, well, no, I drank for a bit at CJ's. Do I owe anybody an apology from CJ's? How does that balance out against all the people who owe me an apology at CJ's? You know, yeah. should we do that? <laughs> Apestosa owes me an apology, and she owes me a couple of years back on my life. Um, Caballo owes me all the apologies because fuck that lady. Ca- Caballo owes life an apology <laughs> for taking it from someone else. That's true. That's absolutely true. Um, Very few people in this world am I like... So here's the thing. I don't wish anybody's going to die, right? I'm not... Like, even Caballo, I'm not like, boy, I hope she dies. Not going to be sad when she dies. Not even a little bit. Like, if somebody's like, oh, Caballo died, I'm not going to... Like, I'm not going to petition for that to become a national holiday. I'm not going to be sad at all. Same thing with Apestosa. I did at one point say that I'd be very happy to cater her retirement party. She's never going to retire because she's never going to die. And I love Pedro's theory that uh, both God and the devil don't want her. So <laughs> she's never going to die. Just, you're on forever. Right. It totally broke my boss's heart when I quit that place. So I should offer him an apology, I guess. I should be sorry to Bob. But at the same time, it's like, it's it, you just you have to you have to compensate talent to keep talent. And I'm going to be cocky about it. It was made clear to me that there was going to be no sizable raises, no matter what successes we logged. And we were logging insane successes at that location. Yes. And it was made clear to me that there was going to be no appropriate yeah. compensation. But they, they suffered from the same thing that the theater I was a part of in Florida suffered from for a long time, which was all the choices were made in fear and none were made in uh, uh, no risks were taken in order to secure that continued success yeah because we were fearful that things wouldn't continue so we're not going to travel that path we're gonna be afraid of the success that we have so um yeah they under the current structure or the structure when we were there incapable of um the kind of things that needed to happen to guarantee continued success yep um more changes needed to happen a a, a culture change needed to happen oh yeah um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, I mean, that goes – we can't get too specific about it, but yeah. that goes way deeper than that building. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And the thing is they're trying, but they're trying in their way, which right. is like try a little bit, and if it doesn't work, backpedal so far back that you go back beyond the change you just made yeah, yeah. into, like, the 50s. Yeah, which is weird because I think that building was built in the 60s, so they're – you know, they've gone before their – To a hole in the ground. You, shouldn't, you know, <laughs> according to Quantum Leap, you can't time travel that far back because it's, it's before your birth. It's true. I forgot about that. There is the um, – there's there's the Scott Bakula effect where you can't you yeah. cannot you can't go that Scott you can't go that far Scott Bakula yeah <laughs> I finally spit it out yay there was a thing I should apologize to Pedro I, I think I already say, have yeah that, that'd be the only one I can think when of. when I quit Pedro knew I was looking he asked me if I was looking and I flat out lied right to his face that I was not looking for a new job I made some comment about how. Uh, there are not a lot of chefs looking for jobs right now, and there's like this, there's like a a weird thing going on in culinary where it's tough to staff anything above like a dishwasher, anything above uh, um, entry level. Finding sous chefs and finding chef de cuisines and chef de parties and this kind of like, like not executive chef, but the next step down, very tough to find right now. No idea why. Like you would think the market would be fucking flooded, but I think the bubble is burst. Like all these kids went to culinary school and got out, and they were like eight sixty five an hour. I'll go work for my dad at the accountant office or whatever. Right. So I feel like it seemed like culinary schools were pumping out a bunch of people, but I think a lot of those people went, "Oh no, no, I'm going to go have a real people job. Yeah. I'll just use these skills to impress uh... bitches." Yeah. 
Which can also be men, remember. So I made some comment about that to Pedro, and he was like, why are you looking for a job? And I was like, no. And I think I was really kind of obvious about it. And I think he knew. I think part of him knew. And then when I, when Bob and I sat Pedro and Frank down uh, to tell him that I was leaving, boy, the look on Pedro's face was, like, it didn't even, it didn't even register his anger. He just looked sad. And I was like, holy shit, another grown man looks sad because I'm leaving. That was actually kind of touching, you know. <laughs> but at the same time, I was like, oh, I'm in trouble. <laughs> I will apologize to Frank for absolutely nothing. Fuck that guy. Because he... He is exactly the wrong kind of cook, exactly the kind of cook that I've been advancing around. Like that cook that somebody comes in below him and then gets promoted up and around him and above him because Frank has just decided what he will do and what he won't do, and that's where he is. And fuck that guy. Uh, Now, are you apologizing to Pedro for taking him down there or for leaving? For leaving. When I brought Pedro down to that shop, that worked out very well for Pedro. And it is still, to a certain degree, working out very well for Pedro. My... Uh, replacement is not doing the job that I did, even though I've been gone eight months now. Yeah. Which I don't understand because I left the joint in perfect working order and all she needed to do was just do it. And apparently that's not what happened. But Pedro now is just kind of uh, keeping the course. Dudes just stay in the course and they bribed him to stay with benefits and paid vacation and stuff like that. So he's happy to, to, to do the thing that he's doing. And I'm, I'm proud of him for that, but, uh, yeah, we're not the friends we used to be, which is a bummer, because that is totally my fault. Totally my fault. For leaving him down there? Yeah, for quitting on him. I didn't quit that job. I broke up with Pedro, which is sort of a bummer. <laughs> it's, it's a huge bummer. It's not even sort of a bummer. Yeah. No, he's a talented guy. But he could be somewhere else, but there are things that are keeping him there. Yeah. 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 And more than, and beyond just the bribery, right? Right, right. So, and, I, and I've made it clear to him that I would have hired him. I, I just hired a cook a minute ago, and uh, I... I flat out texted him the application website. I was like, yeah. apply for this job. And he was like, nah, I've got... He's 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 where he wants to be, yeah. which is fine. But I still feel bad that I left him because we were, boy, Pedro and I were a team. I'm closer to Pedro than I am to either of my brothers. Sorry, my brothers. <laughs> but you guys live in different parts of the world. Well, it's also, you know, he's... Uh, if it's the pirate ship, you know, uh, he's... He was the first mate. Yeah. And although he's no no longer first mate because there's no room for a first mate under the leadership, quote unquote, leadership that's there now, he is also safe in that he can punch in yeah. and punch out and not have to, I mean. In the pirate ship analogy, what's Frank? And if you want to say anchor, I, I'm totally behind <laughs> that. I was going to say anchor. <laughs> um, uh, if he's not the anchor ballast. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm just... Uh, Ballast seems maybe too important. Yeah. Uh, well, but that might be... He might be the ballast. He's consistent in what he does. Yeah, that's true. So, he did... My concern with Frank was always that Frank's brilliant ideas always made more work for someone else. And that someone else was always me. So it was a very selfish reason why I didn't like Frank. Frank would be like, we should do this thing! And I'm like, that's fucking great. Guess who the we is? It's me. I'm going to do that thing. Frank wanted the credit for the idea and the work to go to someone else. Yeah. Which is the American dream. So I get it, <laughs> you know. But fuck that guy. I imagine on some level it's got to be okay for Frank, though I know he wasn't digging new leadership nah. um, necessarily either. But he can he can also just do what he does. Both of those guys are dug in. Yeah. yeah. So Now, who should I really apologize to? I should apologize to... Copo. No, I'm not going to apologize to Copo. <laughs> I sent Copo a mean text today <laughs> just to do it. Um, 
I should apologize to everybody who was there during my predecessor's reign, who was then there when I was there, and who is there now. <laughs> the people who saw what it was, what it is, and what it has become. Yeah. <laughs> those people. It's a liturgy you're giving Yeah, <laughs> I know, it really is. Uh, those or, people. Or eulogy. Eulogy, yeah. Those people, I really, some of them I should apologize to. But some of them have also taken my example. Some people have left the school and have actually, not publicly, but they've credited me. Be like, oh, it turns out you can just leave. <laughs> yeah, you get stuck in an institution, you know? You're yeah. just like, well, this is what I do. And some people want that, and some people are like, wait a minute, that's right. You can't just quit and get another job, can't you? They tempted me for a little while. Yeah, um, yeah. And there was, there was an offer on the table, but... Uh, and and sitting here unemployed as I am right now, right. I still don't regret not taking it because it would have... Um, it just wasn't a good idea. It would have been horrible to, to stay down there for a variety of reasons. Yeah. It was time for me to go. So I knew that if I would have, like, if I would have taken a full-time job there, I would have felt stuck because yeah. then yeah. it would have been, um, a, a situation that was no longer good <laughs> to be in. And, but, you know, I would have had benefits in a salary and would have been like, now I can't quit because I have this. Yeah. So it's like, I got to get out before I have it. Cause then I'll, then I'll be stuck. I would say golden cage, but there's no way they were offering you enough money for it to actually be. Maybe gold-plated cage. <laughs> it's funny because they wouldn't give you money to stay, enough money to stay, but they're probably spending more money to keep everybody else down there plus a, a higher salary for who they hired in. Let's say gold-plated Nicholas Cage. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. So uh, you, you hear Coppola and you think, oh, and then you watch something you're like, oh. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's my litany of folks that I needed to apologize to. Now, don't get me wrong. There's an enormous number of people in my personal life that I should probably have apologized to <laughs> uh, because of, of any number of things that I did while I was in the 20 years that I drank solid. But these are just the restaurant folk that uh, and, that were affected by me for whatever to, to whatever degree and for whatever reason. And if any of you, anyone else feels like they're owed an apology or need an apology that Ben may have forgotten or excluded <clears throat> from this... You can uh, donate some money in this Kickstarter, uh, the Benjamin Q. Randall Apology uh, Kickstarter. And uh, for a small donation, he will um, genuflect via Ooh, the podcast yeah. and uh, make amends. I already told somebody on Twitter I was not going to apologize to them today. <laughs> That's good, because that, that, that Kickstarter does not exist. Right. But we will take not. your money. That would be amazing to just, like, one of the podcasts I listen to as a Patreon page, and he's just like, you like my podcast? Fucking give me some money. That's ballsy. I don't think I could do that. I can. What's the... <laughs> <laughs> like, what I want to do is I really want... Who are my favorites? Wustoff, Le Creuset, uh, KitchenAid. Who else do I like? Cuisinart, too, you know, for, for some certain things. Vulcan Ranges. We talked about this before. I want some of those companies to just say, hey, you know what? We're going to send you an immersion blender. We want you to use it and then uh, talk about it on your podcast. Like... Every third podcast, just be like, I got this great immersion blender from uh, Cuisinart, and guess what I made with it? That's what I want. Incorporate I the sound into the opening. You know, exactly. I don't want people to be like, I feel bad for this fucking guy. I'm going to give him five bucks, you know? No, it's not because they feel bad. It's like PBS. You don't give to PBS because you feel bad. Well, we're in Chicago, so you kind of yes. do. Yes, yes, yeah. you do. Well, yeah, you listen You listen to, like, uh, The Morning Shift, and you're like, eh, if I give him some money, can they hire somebody who can read? <laughs> Sorry, morning shift, but I used to drive a lot. Oh, PBS, <laughs> PBS, P, uh, NPR. There, God, do I want to call people out? 
So here's the thing. There's a podcast that someone recommended to me. I'm not going to tell you guys what it is because just go listen to all the food podcasts that are out there. Some of them are great. Some of them are not. That's the nature of podcasting. Yeah, There's the no rules. Restaurants, so it goes to bingo. You know, it figures. A friend of mine recommended a particular podcast to me. They've got some 50 episodes, whatever. I went back to the very first one and I listened to it. And if you, ladies and gentlemen, if you haven't heard my first episode, listen to it. It's terrible. That's fine. <laughs> Listen to their episodes, and I listened to the first couple of them. It's two women, and I was just like, hey, their voices make me want to fucking punch stuff. And I thought, I'll listen to one of the more recent ones and see. And it's the same thing. So their content is great. Their research is great. Their uh, topics are great. Their interviews are great. Those two women's voices seriously make me want to go on a murder spree, and I've just erased all their podcasts. It's not their fault. It's their parents' fault. It's evolution. Their voices are fucking horrendous. They can just put it through a filter, an audio You know, filter, yeah, they should pitch bend it or yeah, something, yeah, yeah, yeah. something. And it's a bummer. Like, I've learned things. The two or three episodes that I suffered through, you know, wanting to take my headphones out and put forks in my ears, I learned things, and it's great. I sort of wish I could read their book, <laughs> you know, instead of <laughs> instead of listening to their podcast. I hope they don't have a Patreon page because I'm not going to give them any money, you know. Patreon sounds like a level in the Romulan government. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes, it does. And in fact, I had to defend Nemesis. Mm-hmm. I had to defend that to somebody the other day. I like that movie. Yeah. That movie has Hellboy and uh, Bane in it. And uh, Mad Max. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love that. I, I don't love that movie. I own it. And I watch it. Yeah. Yeah, I watch it. Yeah. So I will not apologize to Star Trek Nemesis either. I liked that movie. <laughs> no, no reason to apologize. Yes, I won't apologize to it or for it. Yeah. Except for retarded data at the end. That kind of freaked me out. Yeah. The sequel that's never going to happen. I know, right? We've gotten off track. If you believe that I owe you an apology, people of the world, you can catch me at In the Weeds WBR on Twitter or In the Weeds WBR at gmail.com. We have a Facebook page as well. Soon to have a Kickstarter and a Facebook page and a GoFundMe and a Patreon. <laughs> Indiegogo. And, oh, yeah, exactly, exactly. That's a lie. We're not going to have any of those things. We may, and I'm just springing this on Steve right now, start having merch. Just because. Why not? Yeah, why not? Sure. Worst case scenario, if I make a bunch of shirts and nobody buys them, I will give them as Christmas presents to everybody forever and <laughs> be that, that guy. Uh, if you're interested in that. Let me know on Twitter and if I get enough responses for that. There's a great uh, little indie hipster printer shop near my house so i could with the help of my very talented brother work up a logo and work up a shirt and uh see if we can't move some merch just because it'd be fucking fun yeah uh not that i want to make get the word out yeah not that i want to make a lot of money and their shirts are kind of expensive and i wouldn't mark them up much but maybe maybe we'll do it anyway and send some out for free to some of our fans there are some people out there who would wear these things we could have contests and shit Yeah. yeah all right good I'm going to get to work on that. So if you contact Ben via one of those means, if you feel you're owed an apology, and then we will, if, if we agree, uh, Ben will apologize. If not, maybe we'll explain to you why you're wrong. Yeah, there's no maybe about that. <laughs> Till then, for In the Weeds, I'm Ben Randall. I'm Stephen Campbell. And I'm not going to say sorry next week. 